Hey, it's Dan Harmon from Harmontown. I want to tell you about an exciting new podcast coming to Feral Audio called Launch Left. Rain, Phoenix, and Moon Zappa are going to interview extraordinary minds, mavericks, and pioneers in their fields. This season, Launch Left is going to celebrate nonconformists like Michael Stipe, Shepard Ferry, Spike Jones, Mario Batali, and many others. And those guests are also going to spotlight their favorite left-of-center emerging artists. So listen and subscribe now at feralaudio.com slash left, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can do it however you want, man. That's the nonconformist part. Guys, finding quality denim jeans is tough. And to find a good pair without breaking the bank is just uh, almost impossible. But at Distilled, spelled D-S-T-L-D, you get like brand top quality jeans at a price that won't break your bank. And I know I said break the bank, but I like saying break the bank. And I'll say it again. Break the bank. But just go to distilled.com, D-S-T-L-D. LD.com right now and use a promo code FERAL and check out and get a 20% discount on your first pair. And these are great jeans. I love them. I wear them all the time. Heck, I sleep in them. Distilled jeans. They're the best jean you're ever going to wear. In fact, I shower in them. Distilled jeans. D-S-T-L-D. They're good quality, super duper denim. And, you know, it's not going to cost you like $200 or $100. Go to distilled.com, D-S-T-L-D.com. Do it. Get some jeans. Look cool. Hello and welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. Thank you for listening. If you haven't listened to this show before, um, it's what the title says there. It's a conversation with me. Usually I talk to somebody who's uh, a lot more amazing than me, <laughs> who uh, take pity on me and say, hey, let's let's talk to this guy. Let, let's, let's make Matt Dwyer feel important and like people care what he has to say. Uh, and it's nice. I thank them for taking pity or uh, charity upon me. It's uh, it's moving, though I'm not really is so bright that I can't fully comprehend their gestures. <laughs> uh, if you liked my theme music there, that's a band called Les Blanks. Uh, check them out, lesblanks.com. And as many of you know, my show has gone into a new direction, and I probably am going to stop talking about this new direction very soon. But uh, I'm talking with creative folks. I've gotten a wee bit away from the uh, political aspect of my show, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I've been talking, and I've already, by the time this episode airs, I've already will have um, had shelved, or not shelved, I'll have like four of these new episodes in the can, as they say in, in showbiz you talk. Um, maybe five, I don't know. But they're all really incredible. This episode is with Lori Lipton. If you haven't seen her art, go to lorilipton.com and or google her. Look at these images while you listen to her talk. She's as incredible as her work. She's really awesome. Um so there you go. And I'm recording this intro uh, way early because tomorrow I fly out to Madison, Wisconsin, where I then will drive to Los Angeles with my girlfriend who's going to move in with me. I haven't lived with somebody in 10 years, and um, 
I just really hope I've learned I I've learned some things <laughs> since the last time I've lived with somebody. Um, so you know, but the good good thing about sort of being in a relationship that that I'm really excited about is that now like I when I go to bars and stuff, I don't have to make eye contact with like women and be like, huh, hey, you, uh, maybe you and me, and I you know it's hot in the summer, often. There's talc or gold bond one puts in their nether regions so as to ease the perspiration. <laughs> and when you go out and maybe you might meet a girl, as we have all done, uh, or a member of your same attract, you know, whatever you're attracted to. I was trying to be politically correct, but, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Uh, but sometimes you, I've had it where I've met a girl and she was like, let's go home. And I was like... I've got a lot of gold bond medicated powder on my body and it's really just going to be like, uh, the pants are going to come off and you're going to be like, Hey, are we in an old folks home? Why is, <laughs> why does it smell like menthol suddenly? So, and that, that's, I don't want to belittle my relationship. That's not the only uh, thing I'm happy about. I'm just, I'm finally happy that it period. That's enough. I'm finally happy in life. Uh, I'm not waking up uh, with the, you know, taste of gun barrel oil in my mouth because, you know, because I've slowly faded to sleep debating whether I should take it out. <laughs> I've never, I hope you know that's a joke, though I've, I've had some pretty dark thoughts, as you probably can assume from listening to me talk in these past shows. Um, <clears throat> regardless... I, I welcome, uh, let's get into this conversation with uh, the wonderful Lori Lipton. I feel really goddamn honored that I got to talk to this individual, uh, and I was high about it for weeks. So let's get to the conversation with Lori Lipton. Thank you. As I, as I mentioned when I was in here walking up your stairs, that you're uh, your work is like I was it's kind of breathtaking <laughs> I mean I'm in awe of what you do and then when you start learning about your process mm -hmm. it's even more sort of it's psychotic actually would you consider yourself a psychotic? no I would consider myself highly well adjusted but psychotics <laughs> always say that don't they? True. Some of the best serial killers probably thought yeah, they, they thought were... they were normal. Yeah. So that's worrying. But anyway, my, my process is um, I tried to learn how to paint like the 17th century Dutch masters in the 1970s, and it wasn't allowed. I went to the best university in the U.S. for went art. Carnegie Mellon. Carnegie Mellon University. I performed there. Not to just to brag. Oh, right. Okay. Um, and I was on scholarship, and I was really excited. I was finally going to learn how to paint like, you know, Van Eyck and Memling. And I was really excited. And I got into the painter class, and I said, sorry, we don't do figurative. You just close your eyes and throw the paint, and, you know, it's conceptual. And figurative went out in the Middle Ages. And I was really upset. So I used to cut classes, go to the library, and try to figure out how they painted in egg tempera. And then we used to, we used to break into the studios. I better not say this. I might get you know the police coming after all these years. <laughs> I, I think this statute of limitations <laughs> might apply. Oh, good. That's all right. <laughs> so I used to break into the studios and try, I would try to teach myself how to paint. And it just didn't, it wasn't, I couldn't get it. 
I couldn't figure it out. And then I went to Europe in my junior year abroad, and I couldn't afford anything but pencil and paper. And somehow I started developing my own drawing technique using the technique of the egg tempera painters in the Middle Ages, late Middle Ages, early Renaissance, which is a million billion little lines. They used to paint a million billion little white lines to build up form and then use a glaze for the color. So I started doing million billion little black lines to build up form without the color, okay? It was just black and white. And it was a kind of... Um, meditation kind of thing it would just i just get into it totally you just lose yourself i lose myself totally and i'm an addictive personality so i just fell into this thing and now i'm doing <laughs> i'm doing eight foot by six foot drawings with this technique it takes a billion i, I mean you don't know how old i am it takes a very long <laughs> I, it takes my drawings take longer than a painting would how like just uh, how long would it say take you to do an inch with that style or like a foot in that style of drawing? Because some of your drawings are so intricate. I mean, they look like photographs, black and white. It's like really intense how well, lively the thing is, they are. About my drawings is when you see them online on the computer or in a book, they look like photographs. But when you see them up close mm -hmm. and personal in the flesh. They look like amazingly intensely detailed drawings. There's more of a wow factor. And let's say um, a foot of black will take me a week because I'm building up the black. I'm not just smushing it on, you know, with like fierce. I am building up layers until they're black. It's So in other words, there's a depth to the picture. You know, a lot of people, when they're drawing, they smudge, which drives me insane. They, they Is it cheating? Oh, that's not cheating. That's just sloppy. Um, <laughs> but when you smudge or when you do anything like that, you flatten out the tone. And my the tonality of my work, because I'm building it up in layers slowly, it, it's, it's almost like three-dimensional. That's why it looks so real, even though I'm not using photographs. That's why it looks so real. Now, what you were saying about the art school, and this is I've, the artists I have spoken with, like, do you feel like art school is maybe limited in its... Because like in that period, they're like, oh, we, no one does that anymore, which is like, doesn't it seem like harmful? Well, it was a form of um, fundamentalism, you know, modern art, it's fundamentalist. And you can... I had just recently a woman who's a very well-respected um, art critic introduced me to somebody else as an illustrator and it was a good thing she was a little bit further away from me because I was going to spill my drink all over her <laughs> I'm an illustrator like you know Memling was an illustrator or Goya was an illustrator I'm not saying I'm their level but you know I've, just because I'm using figurative work there were there were modern art Nazis that you know it's all conceptual it has to be color field it has to be rocks on the floor it has to be a dead sheep but you can't you're not allowed to be able to draw or paint and that is slowly changing and that's why i moved to la because there's a, such a huge amount of young artists right now and even you know street artists who can actually draw and paint and it's exciting you know i've seen so many blank canvases and dots and stripes and slashes it's so i mean i saw them in the 60s it's so boring you've seen one 
rock on the floor or upside down tree. You've seen them all. I mean, it's enough already. So what? You know, people always say, I don't know much about art. I just know what I like. I judge things by, you know, can I do that? And if I can't feel awe or, you know, just amazement when I'm looking at something, when I just think it's a trick or a gimmick or, you know, like, God help us, um, Tracy Emin is very big in the UK and she had a messy bed and Saatchi bought it for 500,000 pounds, which is a lot of dollars. I got a lot of messy beds in my history. Exactly. <laughs> and in fact, there was a show of the young British artists in, in London and they had the opening and then the the night before they opened the gallery again, the maid came in, you know, the the cleaning lady came in and threw out the exhibition. She thought it was junk. That's incredible. <laughs> That's that is indicative of, you know, quote-unquote modern art today. And I'm rebelling against that. <laughs> I had my issue, and, and I would not even say that I'm, like, have near any good knowledge of art or, like, in your realm. Right. But, like, a lot of the modern art that I see is very pop culture oriented, which perplexes me. Like if I see another, does that, do you have a, a do, am I making, like where it's about OJ Simpson or, and I'm like, really, are we still fucking doing this? <laughs> well, you know, everyone, you know, judges art subjectively. It has mm -hmm. to be subjective. And what hits you might not hit me and vice versa. I can only judge from personal experience and art hits me when it, it, it hits something personal inside of me. It could be music or books or visual arts or a movie. If I get some kind of personal connection to it, whether it's some kind of fear or hope or just human dilemma, then it's potent for me. And a lot of the art I see is just passionless and dead and doesn't do anything to me. And, uh, you know, the world is big enough, the universe is big enough for everybody, and there's all kinds of art and all kinds of... I'm just saying, personally speaking... You know, um, Damien Hirst was another UK artist. You know, I've lived in the UK for 26 years, which is why I'm, you know, I know these artists, and I don't know a lot of American artists at the moment, but he had um, a, a pharmaceutical, he had a, a tray of knives as a, an art piece, you know, and so what? <laughs> and that wasn't even original. I've seen trays of knives... In the 60s, again, in the 60s, where they used objects, or Cass Oldenburg used to blow up objects like a huge telephone or a pillow or something. So it wasn't even original, and that's cutting edge, you know, literally and metaphorically. <laughs> and, oh, I went to a, a, an opening in the UK, and there were very, very wealthy people there, and there were Mercedes and Porsches parked outside, and then... We went, we're all in the gallery, and then a hush fell over the crowd, and a man came out with white gloves carrying a gorgeous wooden box, and he opened the wooden box, and he took out a blank piece of paper, and this was the artwork. On the blank piece of paper was a raised line, a white line, so you couldn't really see it. And everyone went, ooh, and I was going to crack up laughing because it was most, it was like the emperor's new clothing. Just because someone said this is art and this is precious, everyone, you know, treated it like that. <laughs> Somebody need to accidentally throw that out too. <laughs> but do you think that is, 
what you're saying about passionless passionlessness did I get that out yes. did that come out of my mouth okay do you think that's indicative of the times because I feel like there's a sort of across the board there's an insincerity going on and I don't know if it's Los Angeles or if it's culture in general but well, I feel there's, like, no I, there's insincerity but there is also passion there's a lot I agree. of good things going on and although they're not making it into the museums there's the internet now and that's the difference <laughs> Do you are you a big fan of getting things out there yes, and other? Because, yes, yes, because um, yes, I mean that's that um, levels the playing field. It's fantastic. It does, doesn't it? I yes. mean, a, a dummy like me can do this thing, and I've been able to talk to some remarkable people mm. like yourself, and it's like I'm just some schmuck. <laughs> like, yeah, I was gonna say, what's a schmuck doing in my house? What the hell's going sh- on? I think you're you're viewing this as charity work, correct? <laughs> I occasionally slum it, yes, yes. Yes, thank you for slumming it. But I mean, like, I feel like uh, there is a, like, a lot of the people I know who perform sort of passionately, um, whether it be comedians or musicians, find that a lot of audiences uh, don't react to it well. Where I would say, like, 20 years ago, you would see certain musicians, like, throwing themselves around and really being into it. Now Mm. it's a very... I don't know, insincere, sort of reserved. Well, in America, I find it's very conservative. Um, American um, culture, art, TV, except for HBO, um, <laughs> is very conservative. And um, compared to where I've, you know, I've lived in uh, England and F- Belgium and France and Germany, and they're much more crazy and open and um, passionate. But Still, there is still stuff going on. This is a big country and there's a lot of stuff going on. And there's a there's an audience for everything. I like that take. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I think maybe I'm perhaps in a world where there's a lot of... Maybe you're hanging out with too many superficial people. Maybe you should change your... They make me feel better about myself. Uh, I need yeah. all the help I can get. <laughs> <laughs> but do, yeah, I mean, do you, was that, how long have you been in Los Angeles? Two years, but it doesn't seem like that because I haven't been out. You just, the minute here? I hit the pavement, I've been working like mad. And you can see this is my studio tan. I'm whiter than I'm as white as when I left <laughs> London. I mean, what's going on? Someone said, I, you know, I go to the gym, and some guy said, you know, Laura, you can go out. You're in you're in L.A. now. You know, you can go out into the sunshine. <laughs> uh, yeah, it took me about ten, nine or ten years to figure that out. I'm like, I think I lived here for four years and didn't go to the ocean. <laughs> There's an ocean? Uh, I don't. Maybe it's a big tub. I'm not sure. But I, you know, I got a dog, and then that now I have I have to go outside because I would I'll lock myself in for days, mm. and and I enjoy that. No, I'm resisting animals and plants. I'm holding out. What What is your opposition to animals and plants? They need attention, <laughs> and I'm totally focused on my work. Well, that's yeah, that would make sense. So when when how do you when you work on a piece? Do you does it? Do you know what you do? You have a vision, or is it just like, all right, I'm going to see how this goes? I know generally, like when I'm working on a piece, I sort of sketch out other ideas that start going from my head. I either make a a, a title or just a, a vague sketch, and then they get sharper and sharper as I play with them. And then when I finally put it on what I call the canvas, I, I it looks like you know, it's, it's like blocking out a canvas. And let's say I, I'm doing a housewife in a kitchen, so I do the cartoon of the housewife in the kitchen. And then 
the more I work on it, the more it gets detailed, then it starts to take its own life. It starts to get more detailed. It starts to make its own meaning. It's almost like writing a novel. You know, you got your characters and then you have to let them go. And either they live or they don't. It depends. <laughs> does it, uh, when people say that uh, your work is dark, does that, does that bother you? Cause it's, no. Do you enjoy that? Oh, yeah. Because you enjoy that I live in fear. I, you already told me that. <laughs> I mean, I have a penchant for dark things. Definitely uh, very death-obsessed. I'm not death-obsessed, uh, death I'm death-afraid. Death-afraid. But it's, it, it amuses me because you can see how I look. I mean, when I was a little girl, I had, you know, big blue eyes, very cute. I look like, you know, the female version of Donny Osmond. And my <laughs> Wouldn't mother... that be Marie Osmond? <laughs> Actually, no, more than her. Okay. I mean, much more than her. And my mother dressed me up in little frilly dresses, and even though I was a tomboy, which I hated, and I used to draw these really gory, horrible little drawings, but my parents were wonderful. They used to, they were very proud of me. And here's this little cute little thing with these awful, horrible, bloody, like battle scenes and, and cowboys and Indians killing each other and just really bloody drawings for a child. And when my aunts and uncles came to visit, my mother would go, look what Laurie did, look what Laurie did. And everyone would look at me, and I would be sitting in the corner with my Mary Janes in the frilly dress, smiling. <laughs> then they'd look at the drawing, and they'd edge away very slowly. Well, it seems like today, if a child drew that, people <laughs> be, would be alarmed. they put them under medication and probably psychiatric care. And But no, I was allowed to express my, all my fears and anger and... It was wonderful. What, my, oh, I didn't mean to interrupt you. My, no, my parents were very permissive. That's incredible, because I don't think most parents are. My parents discouraged everything. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but what, what do you think that where that sort of, um, I don't want to say violence, but like that sort of gore and whatnot in your drawings as a child, do you have any idea where that came from? or was it? Well, totally. I mean, all children are fearful and angry and... And we're, we're supposed to repress it. Even adults are fearful and angry. We're supposed to repress it. And I was, I was in a nice suburb of New York in the 50s, and everything was ipsy-pipsy. And we had nice wallpaper and nice mowed lawns, and everything was nice. And I had very anti-Disney feelings inside of me. <laughs> And I don't think I was unusual. In fact, I think I'm rather well-adjusted compared to a lot of other people I've met in my life. And um, what was I supposed to do with it, you know? And thank God I had this talent to draw. I mean, a lot of children draw. Everyone, you know, when they start out, they're artists. But I was allowed to get on with it, and I was praised and encouraged. And so I used to use my drawing as a deposit for all my negative feelings. And it was wonderful. It saved me. Do you, yeah, anger is an inter interesting, because I think people do, like, they encourage you not to be angry, mm. and if you are angry about something, they're like, whoa. <laughs> it's like, especially today, and it's like, there's a lot of shit to be angry about. It's totally. not a bad thing. As I've pointed it's out, healthy, too. Yeah. Martin Luther King and Gandhi were pissed off. They just focused it correctly. Yeah. They didn't get guns, yeah. They, they, they should have, maybe. No, maybe. maybe yeah. Well, let's not get into a, that. Oh, no. I'm not, I'm not a gun advocate. So no. I'm, as, I make, I'm so left, you know. I make Chomsky look conservative. 
but like and but with your fear of death mm-hmm. which i think i mean i definitely i think about death I, I would assume more than most people mm-hmm. like a lot it might even outweigh my thoughts about sex wow that's <laughs> i don't a lot. know if i could combine the two wow <laughs> you could control the world <laughs> but do you feel like um because usually, like, if I'm creating something, one of my, I go to death, like, like, and all, my friends, if I'm collaborating, they'll be like, too fast, Dwar. <laughs> but I don't know. It's something I dealt with at a young age. Do you feel like it gives you a better understanding of death? Does it make it less fearful, or are you still just terrified? Well, the reason I got into the Day of the Dead stuff that I have is when my mother died, it was shocking to me the people's reactions to death. Um, I come from a nice middle-class Jewish family, and we don't die. <laughs> we we um, we are. Uh, what was it? What was I said? We're sorry your mother is gone. No one used the word death. Um, we're sorry your mother's. You know, it's good your mother's not suffering anymore. Um, we're, oh yeah, someone said, um, sorry your mother's dead, but that's life. <laughs> How old were you? Well, I was I was in my forties when oh, okay. my mother died. But um, actually, no, I was I was in my thirties, my mid thirties, and um, it was it was just very bizarre the reactions, and they were very uncomfortable. We had you know people coming in you know after the death and you know sitting shiva, and it was it was very weird. And then I sent my brother and my father out and I took care of my mother's belongings. You know, I put them all in the plastic bags and I disappeared her. And she was, my parents were both atheists, even though I say I'm Jewish, um, Jewish culturally, but not religious at all. And my parents didn't believe in any kind of ceremonies or anything. So my father just asked the hospital to get rid of my mother. She was incinerated or, and it, it reminded me, I don't know if you're familiar with Star Trek, but there was always one man who wore a red shirt on the away parties to the planets, and you knew he was going to get evaporated by some alien or something. Suddenly, you know, they point a phaser at him, and he's just gone. It's like, there's nothing left, not even his shoes, nothing. And that's what was like, my mother just disappeared. And I had no ceremony. I had no nothing to commemorate her life. And I was left with a horrible feeling not only of her death but it was just I don't know no closure I'd hate that word closure but you know there was nothing to put my and hang my misery on you know I couldn't even cry in public it was because that was you know my mother wasn't dead she was gone you know why would you cry I was the whole thing was crazy anyway I had a Spanish friend I was living in Europe and I had a Spanish friend and she said come with me to Mexico to the Day of the Dead Festival. This was a year after my mother died. And I said, no, thank you. <laughs> what are you, crazy? Why would I want to do that? She said, come on. You know, she talks to me very, like she's commanding. Come on, you will come. You will have fun. And she said, I'll take you here. I'll take you there. You know, you will have fun. So I said, okay. So she took me to Mexico. And that was amazing. There were Gold candies, there were people dressed up like skeletons. We went to a graveyard at night when there were all these candles and people were sitting on their relatives' graves having a picnic. And then there was a, we went to a village and there was the dead man of the year. <laughs> and they opened their house 
and this they had this huge altar to this dead man they had his photographs as a child they had his favorite food they had his favorite things his favorite tchotchkes you know like his well they, they wouldn't have called them that they had his um like his guitar his shoes his shirt and then everyone came from the village to say to the widow, I'm so sorry, and the widow would give you a cup of chocolate, and they were bussing us, and we were bussed in from the, uh, the, the next village to, to, to pay our respects to this dead man of the year. And I thought, why couldn't my mother have a huge altarpiece to her to commemorate her life? She was an amazing woman. She just disappeared, and no one even wanted to look me in the eye and say, I'm sorry your mother's dead, you know? was the weirdest experience. I thought, why, this is so healthy in Mexico. It's so healthy that they just say, look, here's death, we die. You know, deal with it, you know? And, and while we're dealing with it, let's laugh at it, let's have festivals, let's have candy. And I thought, listen, I'm going to do a Jewish Day of the Dead stuff. Now, Day of the Dead stuff in Mexico is very, very colorful and funny. I'm doing Jewish New York Jew. <laughs> so it's black and white. It's still funny, but it's, you know, it's got, a, it's, got a, it's got a twist. So that's what I did. And I did it way before skulls were in fashion. And I had, I think it was 2006, 2005, I had um, a, a show, a Day of the Dead show in London, sponsored by the Mexican Embassy. Okay. And I tried to find something to wear with a skull on it. I looked all over London. There wasn't like one thing I could find. Now, you can't get away from skulls and t-shirts and the whole thing. But then I couldn't find anything to wear. It was very funny. <laughs> yeah, I don't think like America or the United States, like the, the only portion of this country that I think has kind of a celebratory view of death is uh -huh. like in New Orleans where they you know oh they, yeah yeah and that's it. but other than that it's like we do not we don't no, really you don't, prepare ourselves for it only losers and poor people grow old and die you know <laughs> yeah and I'm, you see in the commercials you see in the movies there were you know old age and death you know no 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 it it troubles me our our views in this country on elderly people I wonder if it's going to change now that the largest old population on earth, the baby boomers, are coming into their own. I wonder. I hope so. I mean, I've interviewed a lot of those old 60s radicals mm. and stuff. And to me, it's like it's the best source of because it's like you went through that. You're looking at the bullshit we're going through now. What a great perspective. Mm. Don't you forget. <laughs> they did smoke a lot of weed. Yeah. Wow. That really messes up your brain cells. But also, it's like, you know, I'm in my mid-40s now, and it's like, that's, I don't know. I, I look back at the 20s and 30s, and I'm like, oh, fuck yourselves. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> it's like, now you just, you, you get older, and you're like, nope, nope, and okay, yeah, I'll do that. Like, it's, you don't mince time words oh, or anything. Oh, I love it. I mean, so, I mean, physically, I don't want to, you know, aging isn't that great, but I mean, it's very freeing. I think life begins at 50. It's fabulous. Yeah. The only, my hip hurts. I have a hip. <laughs> oh God, a kvetch. A but, kvetch. Other, but other than that, like, yeah, it is. It's like, and I look forward to other than like, you know, when things really start to go, but mm. I look forward to getting older because it's like. Oh, it's very freeing because you finally know who you are. 
what you're capable of and you really it's my mantra is uh you know fuck you if you can't (laughs) can't take a joke you know yeah it's um it's interesting but the the key is then if how can we not die if we can you know, I think we're going to miss immortality by like 20 years. I have to keep, I have to keep healthy <laughs> and make money. But the good thing is, is you know, the environment's going to go to shit, so we're probably going to bow well, we're up. finding other planets. I hope so. We're like a virus we, spreading throughout the universe. Yeah. Stephen Hawking gave humanity a thousand years, and I think he was being very... No, generous. Very, very generous. generous. Yeah. But you see what they're doing with the 3D printing and, you know, the, the all the, the stuff with the quantum physics and the challenging reality and it's amazing the potential we have a potential to have heaven on earth and we're choosing hell (laughs) i just love how sweetly you said that isn't that isn't that surprising yeah it is do and sort of good to go back to the death thing a little bit do you through those experiences do you feel like i mean do you have uh these are words that sometimes I don't like spiritual structure or do you have things you believe or are you an atheist still and you think there it goes well I barely know myself so I can't presume to know the universe I'm sure there's stuff going on that I have no idea about so I'm open to awe I'm I feel awe I I don't presume to know anything and I just you know there might be a God, there might not. It might be quantum physics on a subatomic level. Everything's interchangeable. Everything's like a web of reality. I don't know what's going on, really. I just know I don't know. That's all I know. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I, I think we put on these belief structures to sort of, to pad the... Well, the illusion of um, control... And, you know, it's just, it's just packaging things helps keep the fear at bay. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess the only philosophy I sort of find that is like remotely comprehends that sort of aspect is, I mean, Buddhism is, very, and I guess mm. existentialism, which is... Well, the, that's inclusive, though. It doesn't exclude anything. It's the religions that exclude things and say, look, I have the answer. Those are the ones I don't trust. I don't trust anyone who thinks they know the answer. That's very suspicious to me. I agree. Yeah. It's, it, there's, a, there's a guy who labeled a lot of that uh, spiritual materialism where it's like, you're just you're banking on everything later and it's, it's, it's like, it's, deal with this fucking bullshit right now. <laughs> it's like, that's what we got. And when we die, it might maybe, uh, hopefully I'm pleasantly surprised and I, you know, yeah, wake find up out in I'm... Yeah, a huge you know, shopping mall in the sky. Oh, or... God, I would love to spend eternity in a mall. <laughs> <laughs> that's hell, by the way. And you just, and you moved... <laughs> To the biggest mall on earth, America. <laughs> yes, there's so much luscious stuff for me to draw about here. It's do you wonderful. find do you find it really do you find it inspiring to live in America? Well, my first show here was about LA. It was called LA Surreal, not surreal. It's S O U S underneath reality. And yeah, I found a lot of stuff to to draw about here. Do you what is your relationship with Los Angeles? Because it is I go back and forth where I'm like, I want to murder you. Oh, I love it. There's a lot of levels. There's a lot of art going on here. There's a lot of good art and street art. I love the street art. And I I think the art scene here is the best. I think this is the center of art right now. That's incredible. I really do. And I've lived in six different countries. And I really think there's a lot of new stuff going on in L.A. And also the movies. I mean, everything is centered around creativity and art here. 
And then again, you have Beverly Hills, you have, you know, the people, you know, there's all kinds of levels of reality in LA. <laughs> you pick your level. <laughs> That's such an amazing way of viewing it. But it is true. It's like, it's like 80 cities crammed into one city. Totally. And, and it's very transient. It's not like, you know, I've been here two, ye- two years, so now I'm, I'm officially an L.A. person. But, you know, it's, it's not, and it's, it's all spread out. It's, all, it's, it's a weird kind of beast. I love it. I really, I didn't think I would. It's, um, it's definitely, it fascinates me. Mm. And there's a lot of things about it. Some of the craziest of the crazies mm. are here. Totally. And some of the most brilliant minds. And it offends me, and I, that's how I realized when I became an L.A. person, is when somebody insulted it by saying how stupid we are. And I was like, oh, yeah, that guy Spielberg's a real idiot. <laughs> it's like, yeah, and also the best New Yorkers are here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, did you live in Manhattan proper? No, I never did. I lived in the suburbs. I'm I an escapee in... from the suburbs. Where did you go f- from? You went to Carnegie Mellon, and then did you immediately go to Europe and stay? Yeah, I didn't even pick up my diploma. I left immediately. As soon as I finished. Yeah, I like that. Couldn't wait to get the hell out. Did you kind of hate art school? or cause... Well, art school taught me nothing, but it gave me time. It gave me time to explore. I didn't have to go out and work. You know, I could sit in the library, get stoned, and look at stuff. Because <laughs> you said you're, in the, something I read, you, you, you said you taught yourself, which is... Yes, I did. It makes you wonder, like... Yeah, exactly. What is the point of the education other than time 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 and also i was with other artists it was a you know it was a good community people you know my age who were into the arts and um drinking and smoking and (laughs) (laughs) probably some craziness happened no not at all very conservative no no, very conservative and um yeah then but it's like because you said the thing about like in those other in belgium and france and and even is even england like more less conservative than we are totally less they definitely booze a lot more i know that for sure Mm, well um no i wouldn't you know there's the level of intellectual uh debate especially with government and um is is a thousand million times higher i saw the gop debates here and i've never yelled at a television screen before (laughs) but no it's I, you know, I hate to sum up entire countries, <laughs> but I found personally that a lot of the, the, the media, the television, the radio was much higher uh, level of intellectual debate and um, programming than here. I feel our media avidly seeks out uh, stupidity. <laughs> it's well, like the common, common mean. Yeah, it's, I forget what, like most newspapers are written on a, I want to say a fourth grade level, which is alarming to me. And a lot of the news is presented on a lower level. These bite-sized things. I, I watch KKL9 News. It's hysterical. It's very, very funny. It's, yeah. I feel like every woman on the local news in LA just looks like a coke whore. Because <laughs> it's, like, it's like, can't somebody just be normal? Like, it's all fake boobs and weird. You could tell their faces are fucked up. Even the dudes look weird. <laughs> And it's like, lips. why, yeah, it's like, lips. why do we have to have our news this weird? <laughs> it's like, I grew up in, when I was a kid, the local news guys were like these haggard Irish drunks. <laughs> Chicago, that's <laughs> right, the right, entire right. city. <laughs> but yeah, it was, why, why do you think, because I read also that you move, you've moved where your art takes yes, off. I followed my art. And what, 
why do you think it jumps like that from is there or is it just is there a logic to that because you england belgium france here well actually it was amsterdam um i went to amsterdam with a theater company in the 70s experimental theater company and i was doing the set designs and posters for them my boyfriend was a lighting designer and um then I went to Belgium because I was being collected there by, um, and I got a lot of shows there. So I moved to Bruges, which is <laughs> the entire town closes at 5 p.m. I got a lot of work done there. Wow. It was really sleepy town, really sleepy. And it's just tourists and the, the people who live there, you know, it was just, it was very funny. I got a lot of work done. And um, then I was invited to England by a mad English art agent that I saw no, actually I saw him on tele, on a television show and I wrote to him this is before the internet so you and took out an actual pen <laughs> I put and I put it in the mailbox and I had like a letter with photographs of my work this is a crazy concept. it cost money <laughs> it's a lot of money going through you yes. know you gotta you gotta photograph the things you had to send it and then they never send it back so you had to get more copies it was terrible so um and he invited me to come over and I became one of his like chief artists, and then I moved over to London after a while when my work started taking off there. And then gradually, my work—I got a huge fan base in LA. The Day of the Dead stuff, I think, really started something. And um, yeah, I just started shipping my stuff more and more over here, which is you know a phenomenal amount of money. And I was invited to be an artist in residence here. And I thought, my God, why am I suffering in London with this miserable weather and this horrible, you know, it's very expensive in London. And I came over here and the sun was shining and people going, hello, how are you? <laughs> and I thought, you know, back off, what do you want? You know, it's like, you know, because in London, they're all, you're all scrunched up and going, fuck, 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 fuck. It was awful. And, um, and here everyone's nice and happy. And I thought... You know, I don't even have to get a visa. I have an American passport. I can actually move back whenever I want. Yeah. It's also, the, I would imagine as an artist, there's so much disposable income in L. I like walk around my there's neighborhood. There's money here. The huge, I'm like, how many big fucking houses can, like, what do these, how many millionaires can live in one and, spot? And, you know, Europe is sinking into the sea financially. And the first things to go are art and building. And there's no money for the arts in Europe at this point in time. So... I was one of the rats that left the ship. That's interesting because you always, I think a lot of people think that they're more supportive of the arts. No. Not at Not all. Not if they don't have money, no. But if they're flush, they're like, all oh, right. Oh, yeah, the arts are one. Because we kind of do that. I mean, we don't, do you think, do you find America to be a supportive uh, of the arts? No. <laughs> um, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, like, I guess grants and shit like that. I see. There's a lot of money in America. It was a huge place. That's why it's that's advantageous in a way. Yeah. There's not really as many patrons as there used to be. In the, like There's all... a lot more individual patrons in Europe. But I think corporations get a tax break here for art funding. Really? Oh, yeah, I think so, yeah. So you, some of the evil corporations actually do some good by... Funding the arts and... I, I think so. I, I think I've read that somewhere <laughs> online. <laughs> it might be false. <laughs> no, that makes sense. And it yeah. is because and I think a lot of times that makes them yeah. their awful corporations 
yes, I'm biased about this. Not all, because there are some corporations that are solid. Do like Dr. Bronner soap is a mm. doesn't you just winced at me like I'm some <laughs> filthy hippie for using that soap. You use soap? Wow. It's uh, it's oils technically. All right. But uh, anyway, fuck that corporate point. We don't really need to go down that road, do we? No. <laughs> They're all miserable. They are. But if they buy my work, I'll love them. Yeah, they should. <laughs> are there, like when you said there's a lot of new artists in Los Angeles, is there anybody who's like, um, that you, that maybe a lot of people don't know that is, is wowing you these days? I wish you wouldn't ask me for names because I'm so bad. I'm ter- I'm I have nieces so and nephews I can't name. at names. I will remember them at three o'clock tomorrow morning, but there's a lot of artists here that are just fabulous. There are. I saw, I don't know, and I was, I guess I was semi-ignorant of his work prior to this documentary, but are you familiar with Wayne Wayne White? He was a set designer for Pee-wee and Pee- Pee-wee's Playhouse, right. and he just, uh, he does a lot of, it's on the Netflix, but right. but I've, I didn't know, and just his, he is very inspiring. Right. My goal is to get him on the show, but a local dude, and then he's just like, he just does everything, he makes giant puppets and nice. paintings, and it's just, it's kind of like... I'm in awe of the, the, these things because mm. I kind of do a couple things. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if I do it that well. <laughs> but like I look at your work mm-hmm. and it's like it's moving. It like moves me and I'm like, God damn, I wish I could do that. Well, if you did it every day, 12 hours a day for over 50 years, you would be as good as me too. <laughs> I have coordination <laughs> problems in my hands. It's... Uh, that's 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 the issue. Now, uh, Gal, do, do you feel like because um, like street art, a lot of mm-hmm. them them folk, and I have a couple. Like, is that? I'm not sure if that is a direct reaction to say galleries or whatever, but it's just like ah, fuck it, I'm putting my work out there. Do you find galleries are sort of hindering of artists or not welcoming to more? Well, each gallery has their own ism and their own uh, philosophy behind them, or their own, you know clientele and there are hundreds of galleries so it depends you know it it depends what route you want to go it um they do help artists i have a very good gallery at the moment ace gallery they have a reputation (laughs) (laughs) are they here yeah yeah um he has there's a gallery near lacma and there's a gallery in beverly hills and um They've been fabulous. I've really enjoyed them. And he gave me a show, uh, I think it was last year. I have no idea with time and everything. But um, it was a show last year and it's fabulous space. I'm saying fabulous a lot. This is the I didn't notice. I say wonderful a lot. LA. It's fabulous. Uh, and like, you know, like, you know, like. Uh, Dan, I like, say too. Like, I try. wow. But, um, <laughs> so forgive me. Um, but no, I, I've had very good experiences with galleries and I am totally working like <laughs> like um, 25 hours a day and I don't have the time to promote my work or to push it. So a gallery does serve a tremendous function for me. Other artists have their own, you know, maybe they want to do their own promotion or whatever, but it depends. Right. I hear you. Am I boring you? No, I'm, I'm fascinated. How could you were, and I don't mean this in a weird, uh, you're one of the easiest 
people I've spoken with, and I find you riveting. <laughs> oh my god! Is that acceptable? Poor baby, what have you been? Who have you been speaking to? I just only watch old Andy Griffith episodes, and then I go out and interview people. That's all my Poor life thing. consumes. Oh god! I know Andy Griffith's pretty great, though. No, it's all right. <laughs> but like, and you work so much. Do you find? Do you have? Do you go out and like get cocktails, or is it? Do you? <laughs> Doesn't have to specifically be alcoholic cocktails if you don't go down I have that road. My schedule. Of, it's, be, it's because um, I am self-employed and no one's watching me. No one's saying, "Laura, you have to work now." I have a very rigid schedule that I have to keep to. I have a routine, and if someone upsets my routine, I'm like a baby. <laughs> I can't bear. I have. I go to the gym a certain time. I do this a certain time. I do that. So I. I so I get a lot of work done and life. Yeah, it's great to not have to really be beholden to somebody like it's like i mm. it's astounding i i work at a friend's bar a couple days a week other than that other than two days a week my time is mine nice and it's astounding and i feel bad for the guy in a cubicle <laughs> i'm just like no, i'm feel... like i'm so sorry your life must be i can't believe there's a guy who's like off to sell insurance today hooray <laughs> yeah but then they get regular checks and things so yeah this you know benefits I don't know. I'd rather plus and minuses. I don't. I would. I'm okay with not having a regular check. No, I am too. I feel blessed. I do. I feel very, very lucky. Yeah. Do you ever? I mean, do you ever just say that to the grocery store clerk, like, "Hey, I'm an artist. That's my life. Good day." <laughs> no, because I'm humble. <laughs> Try being a cocky asshole. You're in LA now. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything, is there any, like, one piece of art that, like, is something that you're just like, if you have to see this, if you have to see one piece of art in your life, this sounds like a James Lipton bullshit question, doesn't it? <laughs> you know James Lipton, right? That, We're not related, yes. Okay, oh, right, I didn't even make that. You see, you're smarter than me, too. You make bigger connections. <laughs> I'm just some dumb fuck from Chicago. You're just trying to get me to compliment you, aren't you? Please? <laughs> Nope. Very needy. <laughs> Damn it. There's a reason my marriage has failed. <laughs> I don't know if I said that on air, but my listeners know I've really bungled up some shit in my life. Oh, the poor baby. I don't mean, you know, it's a learning process. Oh, I'm right. glad I'm not with those people. Right. Disasters. Right. Do you find that? Do you find relationships difficult to go along I with creative? I am single, so the answer is yes. You're on OkCupid. Okay <laughs> Someone of your brilliance should be on OkCupid. Okay I'm not saying anything. <laughs> I've tried to do OKCupid. Okay it was, uh, it was. I just, I was, I was on for like twelve hours both times. I was like, nope. Yeah. No. Well, you have to be on for at least three years. I've heard. I, that's that. There's a weird logic behind that. Anyway, um, was my you can be one hundred percent honest with that question that I was heading towards terrible. No, it's just a dead end. <laughs> But I appreciate that honesty. I felt as I was saying it, I was like, you fucking cliched bastard. Hackney. That's how I feel. Like, I'm, this is the last interview I ever do because of that question. I'm glad I cured you. Thank you. Yes, well, I'm free now. You'll get the bill in the post. Oh, boy. Going to have to pick up more shifts at that bar. <laughs> But I did, I did, uh, you know, want to wrap it up. And but if, where can you're on the Twitter? Do you Twitter? Do you tweet? I tweet. I don't. I I mostly Facebook. I have a 
big Facebook fan page, but you, I'm a fan of it. Right. Um, I, I, I even post more work on there than I do on my website now. My website is such a pain in the ass to just put something on there. And in Facebook, you just pop it on. It's easier. So Yeah. So I, I mostly stay in touch with fans on Facebook. Do people write you regularly? Not regularly, but I answer most people if, if it's nice, not if it's mean. What would someone, how would someone, I mean, I've gotten mean emails, mm -hmm. mostly from family members, but that's, <laughs> but I mean, what would possibly someone say cruel to well, you that about? Well, my stuff is negative, why don't I do pretty things, you know, that kind of stuff. That's condescending. It sounds like my grandmother. She used to say, Lori, why don't you do something in orange that I can hang over the sofa? Because she had a, like an orange sofa. It's a, it's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, I, I mean, how would you respond to negative? I guess you can't because that gets into like no, a it gets in, it's, I used to try to lo be logical, but you can't be reasonable with unreasonable people. So Yeah. I just block them. But because, you know, not it, it, beauty is, is to be cliche again, Matt Dwyer, mm -hmm. is in, it's subjective. It's in... But it's like I look at your stuff and mm. I think it's very beautiful and stunning and moving. I don't know what the... Yeah, very so. good taste. You're right. So people can just Google Lori Lipton and find you on Facebook. Yeah. Lori Lipton slash art, I think it is. Okay. I'll make sure I get it right before right, the, okay. when I post this. Yeah, right. I want to th thank you very much for the time that you spent with me. It was wonderful, Matt. It was a wonderful experience. Thank you very much. I hope you're not saying that because we've discovered I'm needy. <laughs> I am, actually, but there we are. Good. I, I I'm a giver. Just, I'm a giver. You are. Thank you very much. And if you enjoyed the show, uh, thanks. Thanks for enjoying it. Thanks for having an enjoyable experience that I participated in or was a catalyst for. If you enjoyed the show, please do me a favor and... Uh, and I'm, I'm, please, I'm begging you, donate some money. Um, Dustin Marshall, uh, who, who is the head of Feral, who created this beast, this wonderful, beautiful beast that allows people to create wonderful art and talk with wonderful people, he sacrifices a great deal. Fuck the money for me. Do it for Dustin Marshall. He, I cannot tell you to what degree this guy sacrifices himself. So babbling idiots like me have a venue to ramble about while he does the hard and important work. He's a, he's an, he is a visionary, if you fucking ask me. So donate some money for Dustin Marshall. Donate it. Don't even go to my page. Don't even go to my fucking page and donate money. Go right to Farrell and send it to Dustin and say, hey, thank you for all your hard work. Would you do that for him? Do that for him so Dustin can have a nice cold beer and a veggie sandwich with no cheese because he doesn't eat meat and he's lactose intolerant. Do it for Dustin. Do it. I'm ordering you or I'm going to come over there and I'm going to date one of your siblings or your daughter and I'm going to make your life miserable. <laughs> and if you can't donate money, go through the Amazon link and uh, buy some shit. Buy something really expensive so Duncan or Dustin can get some of that money and because uh, we, we get we get kickbacks from the old Amazon. Follow me on Twitter, Matt underscore DeWire. F follow Feral Audio on Twitter. Follow, follow Dustin Marshall, who goes by Dustin Martian on, on, on the Twitter. Explore the wonderful thing that is Feral Audio, because it is one of the fucking best things on Earth. 
and it changed my life, and forever, ever, ever, I will be thankful for Dustin Marsh- Marshall for, for what he's done to make my life uh, less likely to Google how to tie a noose. I thank you very much for listening to my show, and it is my belief that art is hope, and it is a solution to our problems, and it is a positive force that keeps moving and will never cease to exist. So support art, see art, create art. I love you. Thank you very much. National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.